Hello everybody and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very, very much for listening to mine. If you follow my podcast for basically as long as I've been doing it, and some of you have, I have been fascinated with this world that we are going to create out of this pandemic. And I happen to believe that one of the things that we're going to end up creating is a brand new built environment, or at least a adaptation of a built environment. One of the things I think that we're going to do is I think this work from home thing is going to stick around for an awful lot of people. And I talk here with a fellow named Dustin Ritchie, who is a project manager at an engineering company. And he talked a lot about both of those things. And, you know, we also talked about New Orleans and some other stuff. But the thing I want to talk about with you guys is how I really think a lot of the changes in this country are going to be basically evident in how we look at buildings and how we look at older structures and older forms of structures to do new type of things. I wonder if the office as we knew it in 2019 is going to disappear. Um, I also wonder if basically this idea of a city as, as a place that you travel to and work in and then travel away from to sleep and to do your other things in your life. I wonder if that's going to go away as well. Again, nobody knows. But um, anyway, this is a very interesting podcast, I thought. And I hope you guys enjoy it. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Let's see. Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Kitchings, and this is the History Voyager. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. I'm here with Dustin Ritchie. Why don't you tell me your, basically your job title and essentially like if you want to, where you work for and all that stuff. Sure, sure. I am a project management, or I'm sorry, project manager uh, for an Uh, a company that does infrastructure construction, put it that way. Uh, My background is industrial construction. I did that for about 10 years and and just recently, about six months ago, switched over to try something different. Cool. And I saw online where you had some interesting thoughts or takes or whatever, however we say this, on this new world that we're I, but my estimation, this new world is going to get kicked off for real in about two months. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that in sure. this podcast. Sure. And, and it kind of uh, my my career change dovetailed pretty well with with some of the uh, changes, I guess you could say, that that hit us last last March or a little before that. But so my background was always building things and you have to be where you're building things, right? Uh, Moved around quite a bit, but it was always, okay, we're going here, we're going to build this. And you either have to be there while we build it or close by so that you can get there kind of deal. So work dictated 
where I lived. My, my wife and I traveled around a bunch, um, kind of settled down about five years ago with a, a company in the Southeast. And there was still some travel. It wasn't pick up and move, but, but quite a bit of my job was, was done at job sites. So working out of a central office and doing a lot of uh, traveling to actual job sites. And, uh, that was hit really hard last March or so when, when COVID hit and, and these companies that we're working for building add-ons to their plants kind of deal. We're trying to figure out, is it safe to keep doing this, this type of construction? We need to build this new unit, but how do we do that? It got kind of wild in, in either dialing back and stopping or these, some of these companies said, we can't stop. We got to find a way to keep doing construction while maintaining six foot of separation between everybody and masks and all that, which, which was quite the challenge. Um, but about six months ago, I, I switched companies uh, and I now work for a company that's actually based in North Texas. Uh, and I live in Southern Louisiana doing the same things that I was doing the previous 10 years it's all online via Microsoft Teams and video calls and site pictures and it, it, very minimal travel involved. And I work out of a bedroom in my house, which I, I really didn't think was possible in the, the world I was in. But it actually works pretty well. Um, and my wife and I are actually uh, relocating to North Texas. We didn't have to, but the company will, will bring us up there. Um, not because I'm going to go to the office. I'm going to move into the same city as, as our office and still not go. Uh, I'm going to work from, from home up there, which should be, uh, should be very interesting to move to a new city. And, and I, I guess we'll have to figure out ways to meet people and that sort of thing that, that aren't through work. Uh, my wife also works remotely since COVID started. Uh, she has an IT related job uh, and you would think that lends itself more to working from home and she's had no problem with it and loves it. But, but they, even before COVID started, didn't do that. They had everybody coming into the office, but I, I don't know that they'll go back to, to even having an office when all this is said and done. I think, and, and I think my comment on Facebook that you were mentioned and that, that kind of kicked off this discussion was, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be freed up to move and live where they want without, having to change jobs or look for a new job. I think that's one of the bigger takeaways here is a lot of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis at work can be done from home. Now, there's yeah. always, always exceptions, but go ahead. Yeah, no, the thing I keep noticing. So let me tell you a little bit about my podcast. Cause I think you're, you're new to hearing it. So this season I talk to folks about whatever that they want to talk about. And some of these are funny, some of them are not funny, some of them are very sad, honestly. But, I mean, I enjoy talking to people, and all the ones you've, you've heard are the ones I enjoy, I mean, the ones I got value out of, the conversations, I mean. But the thing that always happens is we download. There's like a pause where I have to download the episode. And so that's when we talk about what's going on. And the thing that I keep hearing is that the world changed right and i either can function in this world or i can't and what's fascinating to me is like 2020 was the year that the world discovered that the internet is a tool right it's not a toy anymore it's an actual tool 
And a lot of people got hit flat by that, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just, I definitely, I definitely, I would say that, I mean, we used email as a tool for quite a while, but, but that was kind of the extent of it. And now we're realizing that there's so many more ways to use it, or at least your, your good companies are. Right. And I talked to a fella um, who's going to remain nameless in this conversation, but I talked to a man who had this essentially terrifying story about how he had this job that could totally be done from home. They didn't know that. They found out you can totally do this from home, right? Congratulations. And then the boss lady was like, wait a minute, we're paying on a building here, kids. We're going to go back to this building because we're paying on it. And then because of that, people died of COVID. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's happened. I think your, your smart, your smarter companies are going to realize we're paying on a building. Why? I, you know, and that's your business leaders are always a step ahead there with those thoughts, but that's, that's it. Ideally you, you should be able to improve, improve profits by lowering overhead, which mm. you would, you would hope funnels back down to employees making a little more. Um, right. The, and the, the whole part about people dying, man, the last, the last year has been weird, you know, because we can't just stop doing everything, but we've had to try to figure out what, what should we stop doing? What can we find a better workaround? And then, and then you have professions that, that don't have the luxury of, of that other gentleman you mentioned and, and me, that it doesn't matter the world we live in. You, you got to go and physically be somewhere to do your job around other people. You know, you're, right. I think frontline workers, you know, however we were however we were delineating that but yeah it's 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 been a very strange year and i'm sure for some people a lot more strange than others um so tell me about so in your profession of building i guess you build office spaces and and uh, factories and and what okay what first of all what kind of buildings do you build so my in my previous life um it was it was mostly oil and gas facilities so either brand new ones or updates to existing ones you know uh the the current company i'm I'm working for we build actually uh water towers so basically supplementing infrastructure as as cities continue to grow or their infrastructure with old water towers get to the point where they need replaced uh that's what we do. We come in and, and put in a new tower wherever uh, wherever that municipality has decided it's needed. Okay. So that seems to me like you're a leading indicator, or at least your job is a leading indicator towards towards growth in this country. Would you would you would you would that be a fair assessment? It it at least points points that way. Uh, we we seem to do a lot more business with this our city's getting bigger and we need more of this versus our water tank is really, really old and we need a new one. So yeah, we, we do a lot of work in, uh, in the, it's all over the country, but a lot of it's in, in Texas from, from Dallas to Houston where you're seeing a a big, big population expansion. Yeah. I mean, and they already have like, I think, uh, 29 million people there. I mean, and, and you're saying they're getting more. So, I mean, is that a baby boom? Is that people working professionals moving in? Is that what, what do you think that is? 
I know uh, Texas has done very well economically as far as drawing in new big companies. Uh, I believe Tesla's moving there. I think Amazon's opened some some stuff there. Austin's really kind of booming as far as that goes. Um, so so you definitely have some professionals coming in. And with, with the last year, there's a lot of states that are hurting. Uh, you know, I think Texas has done pretty well. You say pretty well. Depends on depends on how you look at it. Uh, you, you could make the argument that it's also been a little more dangerous because they didn't quite shut down in the same way that some other states did. But economically, that has been a big benefit to them, and it's drawn people and businesses. And the other thing I, I think with some of this ability to work from home and no longer having to be near where your work is, uh, you're, you're seeing people pick up and move to where they want to live. Um, and, and where you want to live, there's different people view that different ways, but the no, uh, the no income tax in Texas, I know it goes a long way for some people. You can keep the same salary and move from wherever you're living to Texas. And all of a sudden your, your money goes a lot further. You're actually making more. Uh, yeah. Florida's, Florida's kind of the same way. I, I know I've heard quite a bit about uh, people in the Northeast that are older, uh, either retired or, or close to retirement. After the last year of not being able to get out and do anything, have just said, I'm out. You know, I don't have to live here anymore. And, and honestly, if you lived and worked in the Northeast, it's expensive to live up there. You make a little more money than you do in other places because it's more expensive to live when you take that money and you move somewhere where it's cheaper to live, Texas, Florida, Southeast. Uh, I think there's probably some people that that weren't quite ready for retirement in New York, but they have enough money to retire elsewhere. Yeah, one of the things um, that unfortunately a lot of people interpolate as a, I guess, like a, a, a partisan take, and I don't mean it as that, is kind of the underreported story of the last, I don't know how long, is this slow drip of people out of the metropolitan New York area. And it's this, it's not really reported. I mean, like you take me, for example. I mean, I grew up in Metro Atlanta, lived here basically my whole life. And all of my high school classmates, or at least a huge proportion of them, all came from New York. You know, which, you know, and this is like a take that nobody really talks about is this slow drip out of New York that has been going on for decades. And I guess now it's just going to continue to accelerate. Um, and so you're saying it goes to Texas and Louisiana. I mean, I've seen it in Florida. I mean, I lived in Florida for a minute and a half. And I mean, my thing about Florida is it's got too many hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know. I, I've been in Louisiana, you know, and, and for everything you hear about Louisiana, you know, you think hurricane, right? I've, I've been here eight years now uh, in, in Baton Rouge, and I think we've had one hurricane that, that impacted my life. Uh, and not that there was any damage, but businesses shut down for a day because there was a hurricane coming through. So now, yeah, now Lake Charles in the last year has gotten nailed a few times. Um, but it's not something that's necessarily like, all right, every year we're having to pack up and get out of here because storms are rolling through, which I'm sure it's a little different if you actually live on the coast, but 70 yeah. miles inland or so where, where we're at, maybe a little further than that. It really just kind of turns into most of the time you get some thunderstorms. I think, I think every, 
every so many years there's a bad one but we've been fortunate in that as long as i've been here there hasn't been and uh and my, my mother actually lives in florida for four years now five years now and and she really hasn't been impacted she's kind of in the middle of the state so oh, she's go. not right right on the beach but it's not something that you kind of constantly live in fear of when you live somewhere else and you just see the news stories you kind of like me before i lived in or moved down here was like man i you know yeah what's this going to be like because all you read about is the you know the bad ones but it, it really hasn't been that common yeah well also i guess it depends on uh the local area as far and maybe you can talk about this so the building codes as far as hurricanes um has louisiana and i guess florida too has uh i guess upgraded their building codes to accommodate for these bad storms now and whatnot yeah and they have and i'm far from an expert on this but but they have uh they have zones where where they will zone it out and based on how close you are to the coast you have to design for certain wind wind loads um mm. so and and then the other thing you see in louisiana is the the flood mapping here because actually where where i'm at you know southern louisiana is just so close to sea level it sits so low uh that that flooding is a problem that flooding has has been more of an issue with with baton rouge in the time that i've lived here than hurricanes have um, but there are in, in there's a few different floodplains, uh, and in order to build something new in any of these floodplains, you have to build up. You know, it's a requirement that you your base level be so many feet above sea level, and so you see yeah. you see a lot of houses on stilts, um, or or built way up with with dirt. You see a lot of houses that the actual house sits about. 10 feet above the rest of their yard and, and it's kind of just all mounded up. Basically you build an artificial hill and then build the house on it so that if you do get a flood, your, your yard may flood, but unless it's a hundred year flood kind of thing, your, your house should be fine. Now, the other, like, okay, yeah, go ahead. And then I have a question. I was, was going to say the, the other thing I know uh, in our talks, you'd kind of mentioned hurricane insurance in Florida being nuts. And I, I, I don't know much about that, but so flood insurance in Southern Louisiana um, however many years ago, insurance companies started because there's so many floods down here and we're so low. Started basically seeing that it was a a, a loser. You know, offering people flood insurance, they couldn't do it and make a profit because there were so many floods. Uh, and the national mm-hmm. government national government stepped in, and I I believe the federal government actually is is who handles flood insurance in Louisiana, and there's a certain rate regardless. Um, because the private companies no longer would offer it. Yeah, wow. That's um, and plus, like in Louisiana, I mean, like in New Orleans, uh, you have a lot of buildings that are really, really old. I mean, some of the oldest inhabited buildings in North America, um, at least this part of North America. Um, so I would imagine that gets that gets tricky, expensive. I mean, it. Yeah, and New Orleans is one of those things that if you went back in time, whoever decided to build it there was not smart. I mean, it's a, it's a city in a bowl, basically. You have you have levees all the way around it because the water's actually almost above it, um, and, yeah. and so you you're New Orleans is it's one of those things. If if you were building a city down there now and had to choose where to put it, you wouldn't put New Orleans where it is, um, and that's 
Katrina got so bad because uh, because those levees actually broke. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. pumping systems and everything to keep moving water around, and and there was just such a such an influx of water and storm that those pumps couldn't keep up with it, and it, it yeah. came over. And the problem is, once the water starts to come over and one of those levees breaks, well, New Orleans is basically a giant dry swimming pool, really. Uh, wow. and, and when that levee breaks, well, now all the water's coming in and, and the area where you are and where you're living is lower than the area where the water's coming from. So it just keeps coming. Yeah, man, that, that's, uh, wow. Huh. That's interesting. So, uh, New Orleans was, I guess you'd, you'd say air quotes discovered by a monk, uh, from Quebec who might or might not have had uh, what we today would call mental health care issues. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, he was talking to the birds and whatnot. (laughs) He thought the birds were talking back and, you know, honest people can, honest scholars can dispute the fact of, did he actually maybe have schizophrenia or something or not? But he's the one who, air quotes, discovered New Orleans, and he's the one who decided to put it there. So, yeah, that's that's what your that's what your take is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean it's it's become a hugely important city in the history of our country. Between you know, you go all the way back to to changing hands between French, British, Spanish, American, uh, and and kind of being the the mouth of the Mississippi, which became our our main highway way back when, when that was the easiest way to ship stuff around and, and still is used quite a bit. Um, and it just kind of became a, a bastion of, of trade. And, and then you get all of the the piracy stuff going on around down here with Lafitte and everything. It's a fascinating history and it's a wonderful city. My wife and I love going down there and just, just walk between the food and, and just being able to kind of walk around and see yeah. the, the blend of the old and new and everything. It's a wonderful, wonderful city. It's just it was put in a very, very yeah. strange spot. Put it that way. Well, and now you know why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the one. The one thing I will say is militarily, it's uh. So they call it the Crescent City because it's built in, in a bend in the Mississippi River. Uh, and mm-hmm. and so I I think that probably if you didn't have floodplain maps and everything, uh, and and hadn't lived there for fifty years to know where water pools and everything during your floods, I can see where it would make sense there. You know, there's a turn in the river here, so it, it makes sense for people to, to stop and we can offload and onload and that, that sort of thing. Um, but it definitely comes off as one of those decisions made without the, the necessary historical without, data, I guess, which probably wasn't available at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's also fascinating. There's another fascinating historical thing going on where people's lives, like people started living longer. And what you see is you see that happening in gross lots, like almost generationally. So it, it's possible that those people, I mean, the idea of, hey, we're not going to be around in 50 years. Like, so what do we care? You know, like. That kind of thing. I can I can definitely uh, I've I've said that sort of thing myself, um, which is kind of a selfish view. But at the same time, you only get one life, so uh, yeah. and, and that gets into to politics and all kinds of other things. But that's uh, definitely influences your view on how things should be done. If you were 
you know, looking at making things better for the next generation or just living the easiest life possible. Yeah. Uh, and most of us fall somewhere in between. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, honestly, I wonder how much of that has to do with, do you have kids or not? Like I would imagine, I don't, I don't have kids myself, but I would imagine somebody with children, especially young children would, would have a, a different take than somebody of the same age who didn't. I, I would just think 100%. I, I don't, I don't see how you couldn't, and I don't have children either. Um, yeah. but I don't see how that couldn't change your worldview. You know, I, you're, you're yeah. looking at your life and the, you know, the, the average span of that. So you've got so much time to do whatever you want to do. And then when you have kids, you hear everybody say it totally changes your perspective and how can it not? You're all of a sudden looking further ahead. Right. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, like I, I had a friend one time tell me that every time he looks at his kid, he sees his grandfather looking back at him, and it's the trippiest thing of his life. It's the trippiest thing he's ever seen in his life to have this little two-year-old give him the same look that his grandpa used to give him. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's cool. Ever. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's 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 how we live on. It's how we're remembered. It's why it's why family's so yeah. important for people because yeah. you you know when you when you start to lose those loved ones, you you see them in the next generation because there's a little part yeah. of them inside of you and it gets passed on. So, well, sure. while I have somebody of your ilk on the line, let me ask you, cause I've been thinking about the, my friends and I have been thinking about this. What I'm about to ask you right here for ever since April or May is like, if we're all going to be working from home or a lot of people, not everybody for sure, but a lot of people are going to start working from home. How are houses going to change? Like, how are homes going to be constructed in 20... Like, once people start realizing, oh, this is permanent. Right. I <laughs> Something... So, the thing that I'd already kind of started to see, at least between between me and, and, and other... I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. The, uh, the last two houses I've lived in, we haven't had a kitchen table. We've, we've had bar stools at our, uh, like a kitchen island kind of deal. And because it's just my wife and I, we, we literally haven't had a table in the house. Um, dining, dining rooms for me, the, the, the previous house when we lived uh, in the Northeast had a, a formal dining room that we put a table in and we lived there for a year. And I don't think we ever went in that room. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of older houses with dining rooms converted to to uh, offices, maybe not dining rooms, but spare bedroom. However, you're going to start to see that home office being much more important. You've got a lot of houses with that, that have that sort of thing incorporated already. But I, for example, right now I'm, I'm standing in a guest bedroom uh, with my desk, a couple monitors and a treadmill and an exercise bike. So this one of our guest bedrooms has, has, was already the kind of the workout room uh, and is now the workout room slash my office. Um, and our house actually had an, an office in it um, that my wife uses as her office. So I'm on one side of the house and she's on the other. Uh, oh. But I, I think you'll see a lot more of that. The, the little nooks or being able to, to tuck in some sort of office with a built-in desk kind of thing will, will become more important when people are building or looking for houses. So that's interesting. Like you, I mean, I never would have thought that, that you actually think the kitchen 
the, the actual I, table for the kitchen is going to go away. And it may, I, I don't know about go away. That, that may be more of the fact that it's just my wife and I, and we don't have kids. So I, you know, we, when we eat, we eat at the bar and when we have friends over, there's room for four at the bar or, or there's a, you know, I eat at the coffee table in the living room a lot. Um, just the, the yeah. formal dining room to me has just kind of always been a waste of space. Even, even growing up when we had, I had two brothers, so there were, there were five of us and mm. we usually didn't eat in the dining room. We ate, we ate in the, you know, we had a little sit down table off, off the side of the kitchen kind of deal. Yeah. And then a dining room with a nice big fancy table that looked pretty. And we ate Thanksgiving there. And if we had friends over, you know, my parents had friends over, we would eat there. But it really didn't get used that often. Uh, I, I think I think going back a ways, you know, dinner parties being formal be and deal. fancy were a bigger deal. You know, yeah. the world's gotten less formal over the last hundred years. And, and so you grab a plate, sit on the couch, eat, eat at the coffee table or, you know. Right come over to the bar here. So I, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there with, with big fancy formal dining rooms that they use all the time. I just even, even going to friends houses. I have several friends whose wives have a gorgeous dining room or you know, your formal dining room with this huge table and the silverware place settings and all that set up. And we still usually don't eat there. We, <laughs> we eat in the kitchen when we, yeah. we go have our parties. So it, it well, I, I would ahead. imagine though, I mean, I would imagine like, well, first of all, you're right. I used to, I used to be a film critic and people all the time in that world talk about how there's a, there's a genre of movie that isn't really something you could have gone to Netflix or Blockbuster to find, but we like to call it the, uh, the dinner table or the dinner party genre, you know, where, Oh, I saw this interesting movie. Oh, tell me about it. Right. Like that. And people say like, the the dinner the dinner party genre is basically dying and but at the same time like i look at like i would imagine if you're going through a lot of trouble to make i don't know garlic infused pork or or whatever like if you're reducing a sauce down from scratch you're going to want to sit at a table and eat that i'm just yeah saying. I, I agree yeah the fan, the fancy you your your chefs and everything, I kind of what you're getting yeah. at. You you're yeah. you're almost cooking for an audience, right? And you want that right. setting to enjoy it, even if you're the audience of two, right? Right. <laughs> you know, like hey, but um, I don't know, and maybe so. But like what we what we what my friends and I always get at is we wonder if the router, so like the internet router if that's going to move from the office air quotes, right. To the living room. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I do. And so, so ours is still in the office. Our routers in the office. Um, one of the, the things I've actually been looking into. So we're, we're relocating and we've, uh, we've put a deposit down on the town home to where we're moving. The town home is, is three stories. Um, so we're going to have a a spare bedroom used as an office on the first floor. The, the living room kitchen area is on the second floor and the master bedroom and a guest bedroom are on the third. Um, Mm -hmm. so where do you put the router and how do you make sure that you're still getting decent internet all throughout? There's a lot of products now, uh, Google home and, and some other basically repeaters, 
that you can still put your router wherever you want it, but you plug in these other things throughout your house and it basically picks up and, and amplifies the signal. So it helps well, extend that signal further. Yeah. Maybe I can help you with that offline. I don't want to, I don't want to bore, I don't want to <laughs> bore my podcast audience with, with something that I've had to learn through hard, bitter experience, but gotcha. Hey, just be sure to hang on the line. But, um, so yeah. And one of my buddies was even talking about how he has this whole little theory that, that internet speed is going to be a direct correlation with like home values and stuff. The way schools are now like internet. He's like, dude, when I bought this house, I had no idea what our internet speed in the, in the neighborhood was. And now that I, <laughs> I would not, basically he was saying, I would not have bought this house here. I love my house, but I hate my internet speed. Wow. Yeah, that, that's, and that's something you don't, right now, there's really no way to know, uh, other than yeah. generally the more developed your area is, the more reliable your internet, you assume, I guess, probably not always the case, but, right. but yeah, I can see that. I'd also heard a couple years back that, that uh, uh, metered internet was something some, uh, providers were looking into, and I never heard anything else about it, but instead of, you know, you pay for, for whatever up to whatever speeds you know download upload speeds based on tiers usually internet providers have instead of that it was going to be however whatever amount of gigs you downloaded or uploaded this month you know we, we bill you per per gigabyte or per per oh, whatever lordy which imagine which, that in a cord cut imagine that in a cord cutting world i mean right which could Jesus. get real expensive if everybody's working from home and has to do a bunch of it or if you're you a bunch into... of cord cutters and you have a YouTube addiction, oh my god! Right, right. Yeah, I, I, that that might have actually been cable pushing for that. I don't know. It would make sense, but uh, I, I never did hear anything else about it. But yeah, it was kind of scary. One of the one of the podcasts, actually, a podcast guest. Uh, I think I'm going to put out today. He actually had this whole take on. Um, so Tesla is coming out with satellite internet. Yep, uh, and they say in two years that'll be up and going. And so my thought is, okay, what I'd want to do if I was getting a property is I'd want to make sure my cell signal could work in that basement, because my thinking is if the cell can work, maybe the satellite can. Right. I don't know. But. I th- and I, th- I think it's actually SpaceX. Uh, so so it's it's Elon Musk, but I believe. SpaceX is, yeah. is trying to do that low low orbit satellite internet service uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. That SpaceX is trying to become profitable. Uh, you know, right now it's all just been been Elon's money, and they're you know trying to, to get up to Mars and all that sort of thing. But I, I think their their deal with the the low orbit satellite internet is trying to find a way to 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 turn some profit with that company yeah. and, until until the actual space part of it does. What's your take on um okay, since we're talking about Elon Musk, um, what's your take on the whole like he wants to put people on Mars from an engineering standpoint? I, I I think we need and and so I full disclosure had a, a family member uh, intern with SpaceX uh, for a summer. Oh. Um at working actually on that low orbit satellite thing you just mentioned. Uh work working on the, the consumer side. I think the actual satellite dishes that go on your roof, trying to streamline all of that. Um, but I, so, and, and he shared with me that, 
the the reasoning behind Elon being so, so big into we have to get people to Mars and and the actual the theory behind it I completely agree with and his his point is we are going to ruin this planet it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when um, whether that's slowly over you know pollution and whatever we're doing or some sort of war you know somebody pushes a button right. and this planet no longer becomes inhabitable and the only way we can prevent the extinction of our species of the human race is if when that happens we have people on another planet yeah which right. I, I think is pretty sound i hope it's a long long time from now that that happens but i think it's a pretty safe bet that eventually that'll happen uh, See, you and I agree about that. Honest to God, like you've got to put the, you can't have all the homo sapiens on one spot on the poker, on one spot on the, on the felt table. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we've, we've, we've proven that, you know, as, as humans, we're good at destroying things, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's just, it's kind of an animalistic nature. You know, it, we no, just, it is. But, but yeah, I, and I'm far from, from anybody who knows much about space, but I, I, I think we've kind of concluded that of the planets in our general vicinity, Mars is the most likely for, to, for us to be able to yeah. inhabit. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Like um, I'm, I'm totally for it, but like I had a, a, like a biology teacher who was a PhD. Um, Lord knows why he was in that building with us high schoolers, but there you go. Um, and he actually showed us, a dinosaur that they think the brain was evolving to the point where they could have been like we are today eventually. Right. But the catch was like, that was right when the meteor was, was about to hit. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, and I guess that's, that's the other thing to think about. Okay. We assume we're going to screw this planet up. If something, <laughs> something like an extinction level event like that happens before we even get the chance to, uh, you know, it's another clock we're racing against that we don't you know we we don't know what that clock actually reads but eventually something like that's going to happen so Mm, mm, because mm, we know what's happened before for real for real um yeah no so i guess like so your take is the kitchen's gonna go away um (laughs) i actually i think i think you're gonna see a lot of people who start working from home and have to find someplace in, in the house that they have to put a, to put at home office. And, and I think you're going to, if you don't have the luxury of having some extra bedrooms, which most people don't live in a house that's way bigger than what they need. I, I think yeah. that's the, the most disposable of all the rooms in your house, as far as, as being able to throw a, a desk in there and, yeah. and work from there. I mean, but I actually think, I mean, in the beginning, like I, you know, 2019, I was like, you know, I, I swear to God, what's going to happen? Because first of all, if you had told me a year ago that we would be here a year, like if we, if you had told me on March 18th, 2019 or 2020, right? If you told me on March 18th, 2020, that a year, that a year later, we would be looking at everybody. People's got vaccines in the arm and, and they're going back out to the new world. Right. I would have told you, get some help. I, you know, I would have thought this would have been years, but the thing I was thinking was people are going to cook more 
A, because it saves money, and B, because they want to be healthier. But, I don't know, that's an interesting take. Yeah, I, I we have some health nut friends, and, and, and while they cook plenty, I think you're seeing a lot of the the delivery meal prep type stuff. I, you're the, the one thing that that's kind of unequivocally happened in the last year is all the food delivery services have just exploded <laughs> because people who yeah. can't eat out anymore, but don't like to cook. Well, now you still can kind of eat that food. I, I know we, I spend way too much money on Uber Eats and waiter. Neither, neither my wife or I care, care to cook. So, and yeah. she, she eats a lot healthier than I do, but man, there's, Sometimes at 8:30, you just want some ice cream, and it's it's nice to pull out your phone, and I can literally have a sonic blast in 20 minutes, which is just weird. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's almost not yeah. good, right? Because it makes it that much easier to 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 be not healthy. But uh, our we have some friends actually up near where we're we're moving to that that are are big into the the protein bars and powders and and meal prep, uh, low low carb keto type stuff. You know, and there's just so many companies out there. If you, if you ever look at that, like, okay, I want to do keto, but I don't know how, how do I start? And you Google it and there's probably within, in your general area, I would venture to bet as, as long as you're near a, a city, there's probably eight to 10 companies in your general area that are already doing that. They're local, they do it. And you tell them, all right, I want six meals delivered every Tuesday. And right. you, yeah, so it's it's so many companies have have done a good job in the last year of taking advantage of the fact that people don't want to leave their house so they'll we'll, we'll bring you what you need we're going to charge you for it but we'll bring you whatever you want yeah and that to me that's if i think back to before right what i don't think a lot of people understood was how people would actually start to want to be at home more like you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, okay, you've got stir-crazy people and people who need to, air quotes, need to get out for entertainment. But there's a whole lot of people, surely, that are thinking, okay, why was I going to the movies? Why was I doing this? Why? Yeah. What's, what's happening? Your, your, your introverts are loving life right now. Uh, yeah. my, my, my wife, you know, when this first started happening, um, you know, and everybody has a different take on it. I... I really didn't stop leaving the house ever. Uh, I left the house less, but, but you know, just going to the grocery store or whatever else I, I needed that. I needed some, I gotta, I gotta go out and get, get out of this house and go do something. I'll wear my mask. I'll stay away. I'll wash my hands, you know, but if, if the grocery store is open, I'm going to go. My, my, I think my wife went to, we went two months and I think she left the house twice in those two months and was totally fine with it. Had absolutely no issue. She's got her treadmill here. She likes to work out so she can do that. We got a, you know, a, a backyard with an eight foot privacy fence so she could lay out there and, and tan during the summer. And I like, she, she kind of enjoyed it. Um, and, and I, I like the freedom of being able to work from home, but I still just about every day I leave the house to do something. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, it's, and then I know you have, you have some people that are extroverts that love being around other people that man, the last year had to be tough, you know, oh, God. Depression, I know depression and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I know people that have, um, serious issues with, uh, being extroverted and they're depressed and, and whatever else. And it's been rough on them. But, um, anyway, 
so I feel like um, I feel like we've had kind of a interesting talk here. Is there anything you want to tell the internet? Not uh, <laughs> well. That's one of the most dangerous statements ever made, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Nothing specific. No. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm with you, and, and kind of where you started. And then I, I. I'm excited about the fact that hopefully two or three months from now, it's sounding like we're we're going to be to a point where we've got enough vaccinations out there, and and the. I scary to say this, but the world starts to get back to normal, whatever the new normal is. Well, it's um, going to be it's going to be normal adjacent. I, I, you right. Know. Right. And one of the things, like one of the things I worry about, right from a from a, I guess, a societal standpoint is, you know, are we going to be able to, so you're going to have all these jobs that are both everywhere and they're nowhere, right? And are you going to be able to educate people for those jobs without totally blowing up the education system? And right. The, right. And the, the other point of that is, is, you know, you call it the, kind of similar to what happened to Detroit and that everybody got the heck out of there when the business is left. I mean, are, are there areas that people are only really living in because of the jobs there? And if all of those jobs there, you don't have to live there for anymore. Are we going to see some cities die? Well, and not only that, but like I was talking to somebody today on Twitter about how, so for the purposes of this conversation, you and I are essentially the same age. The thing that I saw at the time that I look at now and be and I'm like, that that was dumb. Why did we think that? Like, why didn't we look at, at internet plus faster internet plus whatever equals this? And whether it be a, a disease or just whatever, right? But why did we decide that our cities needed to be theme parks why did we decide that yeah i i, I think people are people are drawn to new and fancy and and big and, and you're basically you're when cities do that they're trying to draw people and, and businesses in and but, i mean but it's do you see what we I'm all saying? love going to theme parks so <laughs> but but do you see what i'm saying like like cities bet on people that were going to leave when the tough got, when things got tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I like, and, but there's, how do, how do you, what's the opposite of that? Right. So as, as a city, you're, you want to grow. And so when you pull people in from elsewhere that aren't tied to your city, they're coming from somewhere else. Some will stick around. Some will probably eventually move on. I, 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 I don't get what you're saying, but and I don't know how to fix it. I'm just right. I don't know what they should have done. I'm just wondering. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> well, and and I mean it depends on whose perspective you're looking at it from, but but you could also say that some cities have been pretty successful doing that. I mean, I, you lost look at lost the arc of Las Vegas in the last hundred years. Yeah, and look at I mean, I live I found this out before the pandemic like before the pandemic i found out that the city i live in um is one of the fastest growing metro areas essentially on two continents and i was like wow that's amazing <laughs> atlanta's not, not atlanta's sure. always been huge but yeah every time i get back there it seems seems bigger uh, because oh, it is yeah. yeah there's a 
the guy at the meeting had this story about how they had these axle counters on a road to count the number of cars. Right. And they thought like the car, they thought the axle counter was broken because it was, there was just, the numbers were too big. They were like, the, the road wasn't even built for this number. What are you talking about? Stop it. And then they actually put eyeballs on it all day long. They had people stand and watch the cars go by. Right. And they realized, no, the axle counter is right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's gotta be one of the hardest parts of, of being the city planner is yeah. you have, because it takes so long to build new infrastructure, new roads, new bridges. You, you've got to be, you've got to be five to 10 years ahead because yeah. When you yeah. start that construction, it's going to take four or five years to get it done. And so if you if you start five years too late, you you have just ridiculous traffic patterns. And and I know corporations will look at that. You know, when you're trying to draw in and, you know, with, with tax breaks or whatever, you're trying to bring a company to your city. That's something they're going to look at if it's a big company is is what's the infrastructure look like? Are, you know, has this city yeah. done a good job setting up for that? Or are we yeah. going to have trouble getting people to move here because traffic's awful and you can't get anywhere? So it's that's well, yeah. that's got to be a tough and thankless job, too, because you only ever hear, I'm sure as a city planner, you only ever hear people complain. You never get patted on the back for predicting where you're going to be in 10 years and building the right amount of roads. Well, that's like, you know, nobody, I mean, no, I mean, okay, I have a friend that works in water. Okay, I have a friend that works in the in the water business. And he said, Ben, people think the water ferry is real. Like grown, I'm talking about grown adult people with college degrees and responsible jobs and everything. Honest to God, believe there's a water ferry. And I was telling somebody like that, I am the water ferry. Let me tell you how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things you just don't think about, right? You know, yeah. previous previous generations that had to go out to the well and pump water or whatever, you know, yeah. if we've just, everybody our age, you wake up, you turn on a tap and you like, you just assume it it's there. It's a, you've, <laughs> you've always had it. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's something that, you know, pe people in other, in other parts of the world have had to, have had to deal with that mm -hmm. sort of thing. We've kind of, and, and you can even go up to, you know, Flint, Michigan. And I guess that wasn't not having water. It was having contaminated water, but it's, right. uh, it's something we kind of take for granted that that eventually there will be issues with that too. I mean, there's only we got to figure out yeah. a way to to create more, and you know, and the earth kind of helps with that some. But uh, eventually, we're we're going to have too many people for the way we're doing it right now. Well, right. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So that was before before when I was telling you we were going to leave. That was I was kidding. <laughs> Now, because I, I realize you're busy and have things to do, and I don't know how long this is going to take to download, is the is the thing. So we have to book that in too. Gotcha. Um, all right. Every every experience, every download experience is a is like a. Sometimes it's really fast, and sometimes it's like, oh my god. <laughs> all right, kids. This has been the History Voyager. I'm having a good day, and hope you are too. Bye bye.